Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we'll start the uh, this week's uh, this Friday's podcast on a bit of a somber note. Uh, we need to pay our respects to a great man who was really. Uh, a founder of the modern hockey scene in, in Columbus, Ohio, Paul Donskov. Uh, if, you, if you played hockey in Columbus, you almost certainly came across Paul at some point. If you are a hockey fan, which I safely assume you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> you have benefited greatly from Paul Donskov's uh, life's work, which was to uh, bring a hockey uh, community, very much a grassroots pioneer here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Paul Donskov died uh, just recently of uh, lung cancer. Of course, his kids, his family operates the Donskov uh, Hockey Academy in, in um, I believe it's in Westerville. Um, they've trained all of the great players that have come through here, but they've trained literally thousands of kids at their annual hockey camps. Uh, son Misha is a higher up with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, his other sons, Anthony and matt uh run uh the gym they're they are experts in their field his wife debbie our our thoughts to all of them uh as they go through this uh difficult time allison paul donskov you think of the people who really cared about hockey here before it was cool to care about hockey uh he is one of those guys that just jumps off the page no question. And I think for, for those of us who were lucky enough to spend time with him and talk to him, the, the genuineness of that love and that passion was the key to the success of everything he did. And, you know, we talked with, with some of his sons, you know, after after Paul passed. And, you know, you can see th- their concern was, you know, we, we want people to know what our dad did. We want people to understand how great he was, which is a testament to Paul, but I, I said to them, I said, you are living proof of how incredible your dad was. I mean, his sons are the embodiment of this passion for the community. This is not where the family started. They came to Columbus. They made it their home. They embraced it. They fought, but with love and with passion for this sport. And like you said, they they are the underpinnings Anyone who's plugged into the hockey scene in Columbus in some way has been touched or impacted or benefited from work by Paul Donskoff and his family. Yeah. There's two great stories. Uh, this fall, last fall, uh, Misha Donskov was continuing his work with Team Canada. He's become a regular uh, for their international play and was invited to be a coach and an administrator <laughs> in their team with the Spengler Cup in Davos, Switzerland. 
Uh, he's bringing his whole family because the, the tournament goes over Christmas. He calls Paul. He invites Paul and his mom, Debbie, and Paul hatches an idea. And if you know Paul even a little bit, his dreams became passions. His passions were really hard to say no to. And next thing you know, the entire Donskov clan, Anthony and his family, Matt, are heading to Davos, Switzerland, all together to spend the holidays. Um, and what an incredible memory that is for them now. Team Canada wins the gold medal. They have a hell of a celebration in the room afterward. Um, and then they come home, and, and just a couple weeks later, Paul starts to have health issues that, that lead uh, to his diagnosis of cancer. So a lifetime memory there for sure. One of my favorite stories is Paul's working, or sorry, Misha's working for Team Canada. This is during the World Cup. And the camp is here in Columbus. And uh, probably a couple of weeks out, uh, Misha's talking to the coaches. And they all like the fact that he's from Columbus and he can show them the great restaurants, the great places to go in Columbus, Ohio during camp. And at one point, it, it is kicked up. I think Babcock is the one who suggested that they have a team dinner at the Donskov family. So Misha passes word on to his parents and to, to hear Misha tell the story, it's as though the queen of England was coming to visit their home. Uh, they spruced that place up. They bought a tent for the backyard. They catered the whole thing. As Misha said, they didn't spend this much money on my mayor, on my wedding. Um, <laughs> like crazy. So anyways, the uh, team Canada bus pulls up in front of their house um and and as one brother says the hockey hall of fame gets off the bus i mean we're talking quenville babcock trots uh doug armstrong ken holland right all these absolute hockey luminaries are shaking hands with paul donskov um they're playing trots is playing cornhole with the nephews uh quenville smoking cigars with the family and misha at one point uh just peels back and admires the scene and recognizes that through his achievement and, and through the life lessons that his father taught him, he's been able to create this moment that is, by all accounts, um, a dream moment for a young man who spent part of his life in Canada, Paul, that is, uh, to have this experience. And Misha's like, you know, there's my dad giving power play pointers to Joel <laughs> Quenville. And I'm like, dad, 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 like, let back off a bit here. Um, but some great stories from those guys. And uh, we certainly send our condolences to the Donskov family because it's a great family. And again, it's impacted. They've impacted so many lives around here and will continue to do so. Absolutely. Without question. Um, so let, we, we've had guests on the show and uh, we've, we've talked extensively uh, with them about stuff surrounding this league. I think, Allison, we need to, to sort of just kind of regroup and and get people up to speed as to where this sits right now in terms of, this is what i hear from people on twitter um when when you have phone conversations with people they're like what the hell's going on with the league when are they going to start as though anybody possibly knows right now um the latest information uh the league has apparently assigned phases to uh what we're going through we are still in phase one um the hope is that soon middle of may maybe late may so two weeks or so minimum the league can move into phase two which is when small groups can start to train in nhl facilities in sweden right now small groups are training uh, there are some blue jackets players that are over there skating uh, the hope is that maybe they can do that here uh, in columbus and allison that 
and we've we talked to Nelson Ayota of the Blue Jacket. That's going to be a very important thing because the players can't just simply start playing games again. It's not just keeping yourself aerobically fit. It's about the getting your skating up to speed, and that's going to take some time. Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plan truly flushes out. I know that, you know, we've watched the NBA, yeah, the NBA and the NHL kind of talk through similar ideas, both when they shut down and then now also in potentially opening up. And the NBA kind of halted that progression, not because of the players, but because of what this ask is going to mean for the supporting cast around them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, that's, that's what's tricky here too, just as we all are facing these questions in, you know, when we go out and how we choose to interact, you know, while following the, the laws that are in place right now, it's, of course, the players want to skate. Of course, that's a great next step for them. But there are layers to this. There are ripple effects to the trainers that will need to be there, potentially coaches, cleaning staff for the building. It, it, totally. it It's... It's so layered, the answers. And, you know, I, I saw a report, too, that some players have, have expressed concern that it, to the degree that this might involve testing and things like this, in the grand scheme of things, how important is it to allocate testing, which is in such short supply right now, to players trying to practice right. versus getting them to other populations? So. I think it's it's got to be such a hard balance for those who are trying to evaluate and make these decisions because, of course, there's a path that you can outline, but again, the the impact on so many other parts of this business, quite frankly, are are, are just massive in scale when you really get down to it. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll be honest, the prevailing thought with me for a while now has been it's easy to say is you know what maybe the league should just say it's not going to happen this year. Right. It's not. Right. And maybe we'll just have to come back and start in the fall as next season. And this will just forever be the season that ends with a question mark. Well, the reason this league is so intent on finishing it is because they, it's an estimated $1 billion mm-hmm. in losses. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And if they can finish the season, they've already lost probably half of that. If they can finish the season, they can recoup between three hundred and fifty and five hundred million dollars. That's according to a report from Scott Burns side of the Athletic. That's why they're so intent on doing this, I, and 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 not to short change them. Excuse me, not to short change them, but I think they also want to have a Stanley Cup champion because that's what you do. This is this game is obviously important to them. But the tune has changed now a bit. Where when this first started, they said. Um, that one of the key points to them is that they don't take away from next year to save this year. And I, that philosophy seems to be out the window now. Gary Bettman the other day said, uh, we can start in November or December. We've got plenty of time uh, where we could do um, adjustments to next year's schedule to make uh, the next season uh, just as impactful, just as, as solid and whole a season as we would normally. So, I think there are some people, too, that wonder, even if they don't finish the season, can they start next season on time? Um, I think what this boils down to, Allison, I think this is where it's at. There are no perfect answers, certainly. There may not be any good answers to this. 
Um, I think the league is trying to find an approach that first and foremost is safe for the players. And to your point, the workers around the game that are just as vital as the players, to be honest. Um, but I think there is, there has been a realization that there are no good solutions to this, that there's only sort of lesser evils, lesser bads, if you will probably feels like voting modern day voting to a lot of people where you're not picking something you're really passionate about you're just settling for what is the the best of an unfortunate situation is that what it's feeling like to you is there going to be any joy with this or is there just going to be sort of the the most acceptable among bad possibilities yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's the latter, right? Because, you know, whatever, and I, I was talking about this with someone just yesterday, whatever solution they come up with, someone's going to be unhappy, right? Yeah. If they pick 16, if let's say they go right to playoffs, the teams that are out of it by whatever method they decide are going to be upset that the season wasn't finished. The, even if there is a Stanley Cup champion, is everyone going, is, there's always going to be people who go, well, yeah, but if, sure. right? Um and I think that's that's a rough taste. I think what's and I get the money driver for sure. What's interesting to me, and I think most people who follow hockey know this, hockey is unique among the major sports because its major income driver is ticket sales, unlike the NFL or the NBA that have these massive TV deals. And does and again, this is not the priority right now, but does this shift in what sports look like and, and how quickly games come back and, and then again, how quickly spectators come back, does this shift an opportunity for hockey to, to change up their revenue model a little bit so that the impact isn't coming from a place that may not be returning quite as quickly as maybe even the game itself? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Sure. And I think they've always wanted to do that, but the TV ratings for hockey haven't been there. For sure. For like sure. they've been for the others. But the, now. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, the money they're going to recoup from playing if they're able to play, and I think they're going to. I think there's going to be some attempt to, to, to play and finish it out here. That would all be from TV obligations, both mm -hmm. national and, and regional. And I think there's a real drive by the league to fulfill those obligations and uh but it's gonna be whew, it's gonna be awkward at best the league has hired an infect an infectious disease specialist to walk them through this so again the the issue that 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 is way up here at the top of everything and everything else comes underneath it is can they do this safely can they do this in a way that's not going to backfire horrifically right. um, by other, by a outbreak across the league uh, from people around the game getting infected from having to start and stop again? That would be a, a, a disaster. So let's go through some of the major issues that they've got. And there are a ton of them. Like we could get into, you know, what this does to UFAs on July 1st. Do they continue to play for their... Right. For the teams, do they just sign a two-month extension across the league that extends all player contracts by two months? What would the PA say about that? Do they get paid for that? I mean, do they get paid for that? Right. Um, what happens to you know? It, it's all what happens to player um, compensation for bonuses. What happens to to trades that were made with 
with uh, future um, considerations, considerations and such. Yeah, it's all all over the place. Uh, the first thing that this league has to do is figure out what cities are capable of hosting something and most safe to host these things. So we we talked in a previous podcast about them uh, reaching out to twelve cities and saying, "Make your pitch." Apparently, it's it their criteria has been passed along to these cities and the cities are charged with checking the boxes and getting back to the league. Can you do these things that we absolutely have to have? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Again, it's unclear if they would just, if they would ever leave nationwide arena, right. uh, except to go to the hotel or if they would use the suburban ranks as well. Um, you mentioned this earlier, Allison. Uh, what about testing? Because you can be tested at two o'clock and find out at 2.15 that you, don't ha- that you do not have the virus. That's a big step forward because before some of these tests were taking hours or days to get back. Right. And who knows what happens in the time after you've been tested. Um, how accurate are those tests? How, what is the, the amount of testing that is available? How scarce are those tests? That's been a huge issue in this country is not enough tests. Well, if this country's still in the middle of May or at the end of May, when these small group settings start back up, if there's still a scarcity of tests, you're certainly not going to want to farm hundreds of these tests to an NHL team so that every few days they can continually test players. That's, that is not, A, that wouldn't be right. B, it wouldn't look good at all. These right. are major issues, Allison. Absolutely. I mean, that's, again, and, and you know, to test to your point, you can find out in a few minutes your result, but you're going to have to be, how frequently are you going to have to be tested? Right. Right. Because it's, um, it's just a crazy, you know, you can look at a city like Columbus and point to the reason why it's a fit. But I think what, what you said last is what's most important is that it might be a fit, but is it the right thing to do? I mean, I think it on the flip side, while it's certainly not, hosting sold out playoff games, hosting this, whatever we're calling this divisional tournament, I guess, for lack of a better word, certainly would benefit the host city somewhat, which would be huge, for example, for an area like the Arena District in Columbus. But there's so much. I will say this. I am thankful and appreciative that when they are talking about their thought process, that they do have an infectious disease specialist involved. Right, that it's not just people, smart people, but those of us who have not studied the science of disease (laughs) cannot be making these decisions without people who understand it, much like we wouldn't have an NHL team without an experienced qualified coach or an experienced qualified GM. You can't go into decisions like this without someone who knows exactly what needs to be done. Yeah, and and an issue that that's uh, percolating too is some of the players, like so if the if the regional the metro regional is held here, mm-hmm. let's call it the metro regional. Like it? Would the Blue Jackets players continue to quarantine at home? Right. Or would they be forced to to hole up in hotel rooms as well? Now they've been quarantining with their family since, geez, March twelve. Right. Um, that is a, I think that could be perceived as a hell of a benefit for the host city. And if I were the visiting, a visiting team, I would see that as a, 
I'm not sure competitively it's unfair. Maybe it's just one of those tough shit. Life isn't always fair situations. But imagine these seven other teams or however many teams are here, those players being quarantined hotel and arena for up to two months. Well, but I mean, it, listen, the, the, I, first of all, there are some players. I mean, I, I think immediately of Nick Felino. Is he going to want to be going home? to his daughter who they have to take special concerns because of her health. If he's interacting with a bunch of people every day, maybe he wants to, not that he wants to be away from his family, but he wants to take proper precautions. Sure. And two two months is a long time for sure. And I know that some players have expressed the impact of that, but you also have some teams that benefit from being quote unquote on the road. Right. Um, the two months feels excessive, but there are some teams that that like that focus and that we're in this together bunker mentality. So I, I I'm a little split on that one. It's a it's a benefit, but also maybe not as much as it could be, if that makes sense. Perhaps it's about the longer you play is is where the impact shifts back to the traveling team. Yeah, I think the veteran players would have a real real issue with that. Mm-hmm. Because that the young guys would be like, yeah, that's yeah, great, <laughs> right, life on the road. <laughs> um, but the older players, I think, might have a lot of problems with being holed up for two months. That's the longest. That's like, that's the Olympics times four. Right, right, right. Now, not every team would be like that because um, the season would end pretty quickly. Uh, what do they do with the teams that are totally out of it? I mean, does is the expectation that Detroit is going to come back, train for three weeks? play eight games or whatever they've got left and be done again. Is there a point to that? There probably is. If you, if everyone's playing, everyone's got to have opponents. Um, I think people would no offense, but I think people would be lining up to play the Red Wings even more than they were in the regular season, because what is the motivation for those players? Right. I mean that, my God, at some point, the motivation for these teams that are just out of it is like, don't get hurt. Right. But I can't imagine those games would be, even mildly competitive. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, that's where it goes back to the, the things that we don't love to focus on, at least maybe, in, you know, when, when you talk about enjoyment of the sport, but it goes back to getting the money in, um, bonuses for players, assessing talent. It's it's all those less joyous topics that when you have a bad season, those are the things you have to say about why you're, how you get yourself up for those games every night. Yeah. What do they do with the playoff format, even oh. if they do get in? So, like, and I mean that not in terms of do they just go straight to the playoffs? Do they take more? Do they expand? I don't know how the hell they expand. I've been saying this for a while. How do you make it longer than it is? Right. Um, that, that, that seems like it's going to be hard to do. But what I mean is I don't think you can do eight versus one, seven versus two across the two divisions in the conference. Because now you're moving, now you're moving teams again. Most likely, they may have to reshape it this year so that in each division, four plays one and three plays two, and then the winners play. So in other words, you're playing out of your division, and then figuring out. So you're just moving two teams at the end, right? Rather than scrambling everybody all over the place, right? Um, I, I I can't imagine an infectious disease specialist would be happy with them playing a regular season and then moving guys 
uh, to different places to set up camp. And I think the idea is to have a camp and know that everybody in that camp is clean, so to speak. And then you can play with confidence, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, I listen, <laughs> I would not want that job <laughs> to yeah. figure because again, I like, I just, I, this is going to be the year that no matter what happens, people are going to have something to bitch about. Yeah. It's just, it's just, there's, there's nothing is going to be good enough for the vast majority. Even maybe the, the team that let's say there is a couple worded, maybe even that team, who's to say? Yeah. I mean, but these are some of the things that the league is kicking around. What do you do with the salary cap, which oh. even if they can come back and play, if they lose between 350 million and 50 million, that is in excess of $10 million per team. Uh, potentially off the salary cap mm -hmm. that puts almost every team in the league over the salary cap. Some teams, $10 million over the salary cap. What do you do? I mean, you're going to have to change. I don't think they want teams just out cutting players. Right. Um, there's, there have been pitches from uh, agent Kurt Overhart made a pitch the other, a suggestion that one player's contract, be sort of pushed off to the side and not counted against the cap. I mean, you know, at first you're like, well, there's no way the teams would approve that. And then you're like, well, hell, 25 of them might because that's that might be what they need. Right, right. It might be the only way they can do it. Right. So there's just so much to this, Allison, that that the ramifications of this are 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 so vast and so deep. And the other thing, the, the larger issue here, and you and I have talked about this, it's one thing for the league and, and the city and the arena to say, it's safe, fans can come back to our games now. It's quite another thing for 18,144 fans to feel that way. Right. And I'm wondering how long that's going to be where even if it is safe, there there's a large number of people say before there's a vaccine available that feel comfortable being in a large uh, crowd setting like that. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, I forget who I was speaking with about this, but they made the point because <clears throat> of course a common question or suggestion is, well, it's fine. You just put people every third seat or every other seat, right? And then it's social distancing. Well, that's true. But what that doesn't include is that massive flow of people that's happening to get to those seats. Yes. <laughs> and right. And what do you do if you're socially distancing and you're in the middle of a row and you have to get up and go to the restroom? Yes. Like it's, it's all of that flow around. Yeah. If you could teleport people into seats that were properly distanced, you'd be fine to quote unquote in terms of following the guidelines, but it, it's getting there. It's, I mean, who, who walks in, doesn't come within six feet of any other human when they get into nationwide arena and then stays in their seat for the entirety of the game and then exits without being within six feet of, of one another. It's just not, it's just not the experience. Right. So right. Um, it's a lot more than just getting there and sitting in your seat too. It is. There's high fives, there's shouts, there's screams, there's beer spills. I mean, mm -hmm. God, I miss the games in the bars. <laughs> oh, I hope everybody out there is healthy and listening to this. I don't mean to depress you. <laughs> 
Um, just going through some of the the many hurdles that this league and all leagues are going to have to to clear before they can safely uh, put people uh, put the games back on their their court and their ice surfaces anymore. Uh, what have we missed, Allison? If anything. I mean, as far as the, I mean, there, I'm sure there's probably 200 more questions about this that we haven't even <laughs> yes. considered. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> but, sure. I think, but, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting time. And, you know, if, if we haven't totally depressed you, I mean, if there's, if there's more you guys are thinking about or, or want to kind of work through in discussion, let us know, tweet at us and we'll try and talk through it too on the podcast. If, if we have any ideas or maybe share your guys' ideas, which I'm sure are better than ours on many of these <laughs> topics <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite quite the moving target i think it's um it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes fascinating and a bit depressing and, and sad on the whole because i think there's there's a, a great sorrow in this country right now for things much more important than sports mm-hmm. um i mean that's that should always be kept in mind but uh, tough times here in the uh in the world today uh, thanks for sticking with us. We will be back again on Tuesday. We'll try to line up some interesting guests for you next week. And uh, we will talk to you then. Keep checking out the site. Lots of uh, content still continuing to go up. There's still plenty of stuff to write and talk about with the Blue Jackets, and we'll keep going on that front for you all. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care.